Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Inspire Church family, friends and family, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us for another church at home. My name is Philip Muella. I am the lead pastor of Inspire Church. Listen, if you're watching on Sunday, today is Palm Sunday. Grab your branches. If you don't have branches, just wave your palms and let's bless Jesus. Palm Sunday initiates the Holy Week. That means the Holy Week will be culminated with next Sunday as we celebrate Easter Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And guess what? We'll be celebrating it together at the BART station. You can bring your chairs and sit outside. You can watch in your cars safely. But either way, we are going to do this together. And so I hope you make it out. I cannot wait to see you. Commentators suggest that over 20 years have passed since the events of chapter 4 leading into today's chapter 5. After a 43-year reign, Nebuchadnezzar would fall ill and ultimately die, passing the Babylonian Empire to a succession of kings. There was his son, Emil Marduk. And then after Emil Marduk, there was Nergal Shar Usur. After him, there was Labashi Marduk. And finally, here in chapter 5, there was King Nabonidus, who was reigning with his son, Belshazzar, who was co-regent over Babylon the night the empire fell. Now, regarding the fall of the empire of Babylon, 5th century Greek historian Herodotus writes, Cyrus posted his armies at the place where the Euphrates River went into the city of Babylon. He told his armies to wait until the river became shallow enough to ford and then to enter the city by way of the river. He then took a host of his non-military personnel and began to dig trenches and canals and they literally turned the Euphrates into a nearby basin. When the river had sunken thigh high, the Persian army entered the city of Babylon and took the Babylonians by surprise. Now, because the city of Babylon was so big, those who dwelled there said the outer parts of the city were quickly overcome, but the inhabitants of the middle part knew nothing about it. Herodotus wrote, all this time they were dancing and celebrating a holiday which happened to fall then until they learned the truth only too well. It had been said in those times that Babylon was impenetrable. With 
20 years worth of food stored up in the city and ample water supply flowing through the city by way of the Euphrates, it had been said that Babylon was able to withstand and outlast any invasion or siege made on the empire. And so there they were, untouchable, overconfident, living it up and partying with a false sense of security. But judgment had come and they knew nothing about it until it was too late. They had been weighed and found wanting. This is the story of that faithful night. Many years later, Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale. His nobles too were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I, heard, I have heard 
that you have the spirit of the gods within you, that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words of the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts or give them to someone else. But I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people all of all race, races, nations, and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from the royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned what the most high God rules over the kingdom of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself, for you have proudly defiled the, the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent his hand to write this message. This is the meaning that was the this was the message that was written many many tickle and parson. This is what these words mean. Many means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tickle means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Beldejar's command, Daniel was dressed up in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede took over the, king, the kingdom at the age of 62. I want to take a moment to thank our dear brother Rick Sosa for reading yet again such a powerful um, story. Uh, this entire book of Daniel has literally been blowing my mind 
chapter by chapter, story by story, lesson by lesson. I want to show you a picture. In fact, this is a famous painting of the story that we just read. This is Rembrandt's version of the Feast of Belshazzar. It's actually a painting that I call beautifully terrifying. I mean, just look at it. I want you to look at the eyes of everyone in this painting, wide-eyed and full of fear. Notice the woman in the red, so afraid and so compelled by what has just taken place. She spills the wine. Notice the couple on the other side, frightened, all eyes on Belshazzar and of course, there is Belshazzar, majestic in the middle. Look at his clothes, dressed in fine linen, the crown. But look at his body language. This was the night that Babylon would fall. I'm entitling this message, Weighed and Wanting. In verses 1 through 4, we see the details of an unholy Worship. You see, King Belshazzar threw the party of all parties, the mother of all parties. There was a thousand person guest list, A listers only, as verse one tells us, they were full of Belshazzar's lords. The fellas were there and the ratio was in their favor, as verse two tells us that the party was full of Belshazzar's wives and his concubines. The king spared no expense, only the finer things. The dress code was lavish, no jeans, no sneakers. The liquor was flowing, bottle service everywhere. The women were entertaining and the party was popping. You see, the decadence and immorality of Babylon were on full display opulence, perversion, indulgence, drunkenness, lasciviousness. Described in those terms, one might be tempted to feel repulsed until you realize this is nothing more than a typical weekend in our American culture. Now keep in mind, as Belshazzar and his lords live it up in Babylon, the Persian army is literally moments away from invading and the Babylonian empire is literally minutes away from total collapse and exiting the world's stage. Wow. You see, this is a picture of the temporary pleasures of this world providing a false sense of security. The temporary pleasures of this world providing a false sense of security. You see, the temporary pleasures of the world, they offer momentary escapes from the stresses of the day. The temporary pleasures of the world offer temporary delusions from life's real problems. The temporary pleasures of this world, they, they can dull the senses and they can numb the emotions. But there was no worldly pleasure that could deliver Belshazzar and Babylon from the destruction of their sin and the judgment of God, they were weighed and found 
wanting. And as the wine began to work on Belshazzar, you know how that works when the wine starts to set in. As the wine began to work on Belshazzar, the party went from seduction to sacrilege. In a brazen display of gross irreverence, Belshazzar calls for those golden vessels that have been stolen from the house of God back in chapter one. And he deliberately begins to mix his libations with those vessels and makes a toast to his gods and his ways. How arrogant, how hubris, how prideful, the audacity that he would take holy vessels that have been set apart for the worship and service of Yahweh and turn them into desecrated vessels used as his own personal shot glasses to the gods. And just as I'm ready to pick up a stone and throw it at Belshazzar, just as we're ready to be repulsed by what is going on and just as we're ready to condemn Belshazzar, I hear the words of the Apostle Paul to all of us who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Listen to the words of Paul. Or do you... Not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you. You see, no longer do we consecrate buildings made from bricks and stones. We are living stones. No longer do we set apart clay pots and golden vessels for the worship of our God. But our physical bodies have now become dedicated to the Lord in worship and service. Paul continues in verse 19, not only are your bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit, but he goes on to say, you are not your own. You are not your own. And the truth is, we live in a reality today where some people would say, my body, my choice. And I understand that bodies have been abused. But I want you to know. You are not your own. It is not your body. It is not your choice. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, you gave him total control. No longer are you governed by the lust of your flesh. No longer are you enslaved to the temporary pleasures of this world. And Paul goes on to remind us now in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Wow. The broken body and shed blood of Jesus has redeemed us from sin and Satan. We are no longer under the influence of our evil desires, but because of the cross, because of the cross, we are now slaves to righteousness and no longer slaves to sin. What does that mean? It means if you call Jesus Lord, stop taking the vessel 
that has been consecrated to him and using it to worship the idols of our culture. I want to say that again. If you call Jesus Lord, stop taking this vessel that has been consecrated to him and using it to worship the idols of our culture. Let me break that down for you. How do we use our idols, our bodies, our vessels to worship the idols of the culture? You see, we worship with our eyes. The question is, what are you looking at? What has captured your attention? What are you gazing at? What has been seared into your mind through the window of your eyes? It said that porn, cocaine, and alcohol target the same area of your brain. But we don't just worship with our eyes. We worship with our mouths. What are you saying? Foul language, dirty jokes, gossip, rumors, lies. Wasn't it Jesus who said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of his mouth? We worship with our ears, don't we? What are you listening to? And not just what are you listening to, but what are you listening to? And what is it that you're listening to? What is it glorifying? I mean, some of us are sad, mad, arrogant, over-sexualized, and it's all inspired by your playlist. We worship with our eyes. We worship with our mouths. We worship with our ears. And we worship with our time. The question is, what are you doing? Spiritual formation and Christian disciplines have now taken a back seat to the pursuit of your careers, your travel, your hobbies, even your families. It's sad, but for many Christians, you would rather look good in a bathing suit than look good standing before the Lord. Finally, number five, even our sexual organs glorify God. We must repent of the sin of fornication. Sex before you're married. Single adults listening. Just because you live in Babylon doesn't mean you have to look like Babylon. But not just fornication, adultery, married men and women. And not just with your bodies, but with your mind. Who are you giving yourself to other than the one that God has brought you together with? I know a lot of times we think adultery happens to be a bodily exchange, but it is very much a mind and an exchange of our hearts. Not just fornication and adultery, but yes, homosexuality. And that may not be the popular thing, but we live in Babylon Without looking like Babylon, sex with the same sex. Prostitution, pornography, even your gender identity brings glory to God. My body is not my own. And so I call it whatever God calls it. Like Belshazzar, who mixed his libations with consecrated cups, 
We too toast to our idols of money, power, approval, control, pleasure, sex, and success with our bodies. I'm going to say that again. Like Belshazzar, who mixed his libations with the consecrated cups, we too toast our, to our idols of money, power, approval, control, pleasure, sex, and success with our bodies. And I just want to say this, because I was praying through this particular portion of the sermon, I felt just such a heavy pastoral burden impress upon me. Listen, we have too many professing Christians in our culture today. And when I say that, I don't just mean in America. I actually mean at Inspire Church. We have too many professing Christians. Christians in our culture today who regularly, are you ready, violate their confession of faith, demean their baptism, and dishonor the Lord's Supper. And like Belshazzar, we too have been weighed and found wanting before the Lord. I want you to think about that. We have violated our confession of faith. We have demeaned our baptism and dishonored the Lord's Supper. And like Belshazzar, we have been weighed and found wanting. I want to stop. Let's just take a deep breath wherever you're at right now. I know that the word of God can cut and it can hurt, but I want you to know that the goal of the word of God is not to wound, but to heal. Some of us like to bury our heads when it comes to challenge and accountability, but I want you to know, allow the mirror of the scripture to expose the darkness in your heart because if it's there, it needs to be repented of so that God would forgive you and you would be able to glorify him. And so let it cut, take a breath, just know that this is love. Not the love that our culture teaches in Babylon, but the agape love of God. Verses 5 through 12 introduces us to some uninvited guests. After Belshazzar gave his toast, suddenly disembodied fingers appear to write on the wall. I mean, this is freaky. This is scary. This is the black mirror. This is one of those things that it's like the twilight zone. I mean, can you imagine you're having a good time living it up and fingers appear out of nowhere? There's no arms, no hands. And I begin to write stunned, wide eyed and terrified. The party comes to a halt with Belshazzar frantically searching for someone to decipher the handwriting on the wall. Y'all recognize that phrase, the handwriting on the wall? It comes from this chapter. And true to form, just like Daniel, (laughs) nobody in Babylon, not any of the wise men could decipher what had been written, but it wasn't until, get this, Queen Grandma walks in and says, I know a man and his name 
is Daniel. Do me a favor. I want you to imagine the scene for a moment. Daniel, now in his 80s, stepping into the party. Wow. Yes, Daniel, who in chapter one was just a kid, just a boy in his early teens, is now in his 80s, full of wisdom and experience. Daniel, now in his 80s, the uninvited, now invited guest walks into the room. It's so funny. Daniels never get invited to the party, don't we? (laughs) Nobody wants a Daniel at the party. Daniel. The uninvited, invited guest walks into the room. He stands before the king. And imagine with me for a moment the contrast between these two men. Think about it, Belshazzar, Daniel. Belshazzar, the terrified king, moments from losing his kingdom, frightened, desperate, inebriated, with no control over his bowels. Daniel, the emboldened exile, strong, fearless, and full of faith, the epitome of self-control. Wow. There they stood, side by side, eye to eye, a testimony to the fate of their respected kingdoms. Belshazzar, a representation of Babylon falling. Daniel, a representation of God's enduring kingdom. I want you to know, not all that glitters is gold. The two kingdoms, Babylon, so mighty, so strong, so proud, so glorious, Now, shaking at his knees, moments from falling in the kingdom of God, lasting forever. Not all that glitters is gold and as tempted as we are to be drawn into the culture of Babylon, it will not stand because it has been weighed and found wanting. Don't be foolish, y'all. As externally enticing and tempting as one may see it to be, there will only be one kingdom standing in the end. Babylon has been weighed and found wanting. Verses 13 through 31 describe what it means to be weighed and found wanting. The 80-year-old Daniel, emboldened exile, standing before the frightened king, begins to lecture Belshazzar in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Did you not see? Have you not heard how he lifted himself up? Did you not see how God brought him low? Did you not read the testimony? And Daniel makes his final indictment against Belshazzar in Babylon in verses 22 through 23. Listen with me. Daniel says, 
and you. <laughs> Can you imagine that 80-year-old Daniel, this, this exile that had been removed from everything, now emboldened, speaking truth to power, pointing his finger in the chest of the king. And you, his son, a descendant of his line, you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. He goes on to say, let me tell you about that writing on the wall. Mene, mene. Tekel and Parson. Mene, mene. Tekel and Parson. Numbered, numbered. Weighed, divided. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. You see, for Belshazzar and Babylon, it was too late. They had been judged and declared guilty in the court of heaven. And the Persians were fastly approaching their front door. They had foolishly believed that they were truly untouchable, engaged in temporary pleasures, toasting to idols while God's instruments of judgment, the Persian army was quickly approaching. They had been weighed and found wanting. I'll be honest with you and I want to include myself in this next portion. I think many of us if you're like me, we take God and his word for granted, don't we? But you should know, tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. This is not a scare tactic to scare you into the kingdom. But tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. And preoccupation with the pleasures of this world only provide you with a false sense of security. They may offer a temporary escape, but they cannot save you. And if the fall of Babylon hasn't convinced you, maybe you should heed the voice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to his words in Luke chapter 17, 26 to 28. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and be given into marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Listen, so will it be in the day, on the day the Son of Man is revealed. I want to be honest with you. 
it's not just a Babylon problem. It's not just a Belshazzar problem. We all have been weighed and found wanting. This is the condition of all of humanity. You say, well, wait a minute, I go to church on Sundays. You have been weighed and found wanting. It doesn't matter if you go to church on Sundays. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized. It doesn't matter if you serve on a team, you attend to connect. If you're a member, we all have been weighed and found wanting, whether you're in the church or not. It's too late. Judgment is secured and for sure, and we are guilty as charged. Like Belshazzar, I, Philip, a pastor, cannot hide behind my title. I have been weighed and found wanting. The judgment is in and the verdict is here. My bad outweighs my good. I have zero hope of saving myself. There are a lot of people who think you're going to get to heaven and God is going to bring out a balance. And he's going to put your good works and your bad works. And hopefully you've done enough good things to outweigh the bad. And if you've done just a little bit more, you'll be able to get it. I want you to tell you right now, your bad infinitely outweighs any good you could ever do. We are done through hopeless, judged, guilty. What do we do? I love this about the book of Daniel. It's time for us to look to a savior, Jesus Christ. You see, without the sacrificial work of Christ, we are entering into the Holy Week. We are getting ready to turn our eyes towards Jesus on Friday. He'll give his life. And on Sunday, he'll raise back up without the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross. My judgment is signed, sealed, delivered, certain I've been weighed if I'm wanting. But if I will put my hope in Jesus, I can't save myself. I'm a sin. In fact, if I just go through a litany of those ways that I use my body to serve idols, I've been guilty of all of them. In my heart, in my mind, in my body. But if I would just turn from my wickedness, if I would just repent and admit, stop being so arrogant and prideful, stop numbing my emotions, drinking them away, I would just submit myself and say, I am a sinner, guilty as charged, but I put my faith and trust in the one who was pure and holy, Jesus Christ. If we would just put our faith in him and repent of our sin, guess what? Paul tells us then we would be freed from the law and its demands. <laughs> I've been given the righteousness of Christ and declared not guilty, not based on my own efforts or merits because there's nothing I can do. I've been weighed and found wanting, but based upon the merits of Jesus Christ. And here's the powerful thing about that realization. You ready? This reality of the cross of Christ and my repentance and my looking to Jesus and not looking at myself, it transforms me. Are you ready? This truth now frees me to no longer toast to my idols, but to lay my life down as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in a loving response of worship to what Christ has done to set me free. I mean, there is no 
greater news. This is the gospel. This is the reason for Holy Week. Hosanna, Hosanna. Our Savior, God saves. The truth frees me to no longer toast to my idols, but to lay down my life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God as a loving response of worship to what Christ has done for me. Yes, I've been weighed and found wanting, but in Christ I have been freed and I have been made righteous and new. This is the way. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.